0: We meet today in Isaiah chapters 30 and 31. Judah admonished not to turn to Egypt for help against Assyria and then exhorted to turn to the Lord. These two chapters present largely a local situation, although a larger prophecy of a future time grows out of this one. The local prophecy has been literally fulfilled now, the southern kingdom of Judah heard and heeded the prophet's warning and did not join with Israel in order to be delivered from the Assyrian. The northern kingdom of Israel made the mistake of ignoring the prophet's warning and they went into Assyrian captivity. As a consequence, we read from 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 4, and the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to Saul, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Now this is one time when the southern kingdom profited by the experience of the northern kingdom. All other northern kingdom experiences always caused trouble for them. Only in this sense did they also benefit from their experience there. So we consider now the admonition not to seek the alliance with Egypt. First of all, let's highlight that in about 701 BC, the Assyrian king Sennacherib send forces to quell numerous uprisings among the kingdom in the Western Empire. First, they attacked the Phoenicians, disposing the king of Tyre. Then they moved south along the coast to the Philistine city, states of Ashkelon and Ekron, which had openly rebelled after the death of Sargon II in 705 BC. So Sennacherib's successor uh, was Sargon II. Then finally the Assyrian turned east to attempt to capture Judah. As Sennacherib's armies bore down on Jerusalem, King Hezekiah considered how he would defend his capital. He had made extensive preparations according to Second Chronicles 32, but were these preparations adequate, to withstand the full force of the Assyrian army. Well, one option open to Hezekiah was to appeal for help from the Egyptians. For years they had supplied Judah, Israel and the Philistines and other neighbors to the northern with military forces and arms. The Egyptians routinely used these smaller nations as a buffer between themselves and the Assyrians. Now that Jerusalem itself faced attack, Hezekiah was certain to get help if he wanted it from Egypt. But Isaiah's counsel was to reject such an alliance according to chapter 30 verse 1 to verse 5. Isaiah comes and he says, you should actually reject such an alliance. To pursue it would show a lack of faith in the Lord to deliver his people. In fact, the law prohibited the Israelites from allying themselves with the Egyptians or even importing armaments from them according to Deuteronomy 17 verse 16. So apparently Hezekiah heeded Isaiah's word when Sennacherib's general taunted him and demanded surrender. He asked the prophet to pray and asked God for help. Isaiah did so, and the Lord responded by delivering the city, and the record of this is in 2nd Kings chapter 18 and chapter 19, also 2nd Chronicles chapter 32. So this contrasted sharply with the actions of Hoshea, the last of Israel's kings. Faced with a situation similar to Hezekiah's, Hoshea had appealed for help from Saul, king of Egypt. Before long, the Assyrians had overrun Israel, destroyed its capital of Samaria, and deported its inhabitants to Assyria. That is according to Second Kings chapter 17. Isaiah 30 verse 1 tells us, Woe well to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Well, this is the fourth war. It is a war because it is a warning. God says, in effect, don't go to Egypt for help because it won't be a good thing for you to do. Help down there is a mirage on the desert. That's why he begins by pronouncing that war. Why do you take counsel elsewhere, but not from the Lord? Why do you devise plans, but not of the Spirit of God? In doing so, you may be adding sin to sin. That was quite strong indeed. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore I have called her Rahab Hem Shebeth, You see, here God was not happy with his people because they sought power and protection from other kings and nations. He warned them that these alliances, though inviting, would only prove harmful in the long run. Enamored with power and prestige, we also may have sought direction and guidance from sources that are not pleasing to God. My friend, Ask God to help you choose what is best and wisest. In this world, which has many alternatives, many options, it's easy for people to trust in their insurance policy. It's easy for people to trust in their relatives, to trust in the strength of their nation and not trust in God, or even trusting in your physician. God says, when you do that and not tend to me, you are adding sin to sin. So the admonition here is to turn to the Lord for deliverance. God says, "Tend to me, and I will deliver you. This is a marvelous verse, one which is really a gem of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and resting you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Perhaps you feel rushed or caught on a treadmill, always focused on deadlines, always thinking about what is happening next rather than what is happening right now. The people of Isaiah's time were consumed with anxiety about the Assyrians, They were busily making plans and preparations in case the enemy invaded. But God warned them, the key to withstanding the threats of Assyria was not in frenetic activity, no. But it was in quiet, confident trust in God. It was not that wise planning had no value. It actually did when we consider other passages of the word of God. But faith in God demands a certain amount of ceasing from work to reflect on one situation and the Lord's ability to handle it. Conventional wisdom, my friend, urges us to pause and smell the roses occasionally. Scripture calls us to pause and worship the Lord regularly particularly when we have to even stop working for one day and reserve one day simply for worship. This principle of a balanced, measured approach to life was established at the end of the first work week in history when God paused in His work to consider what He had accomplished according to Genesis 1 verse 31 all the way to chapter 2 verse 2. Now, my friend, Why not spend time right now to reflect on your life, where it has come from, where it is, and where it is going. Reflect on your relationships, the conversations that you have, the memories that you have gained. Are you willing to take the time to find God in your life? The children of Israel were not doing so, and God is saying, please return. Why? Because when you do, in returning, you will find rest and you will be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Where is your strength? Is it in trusting the Lord or your strength comes from observing all the other forces around you instead of the Lord? Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Therefore, He will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Isaiah 30 verse 18. In other words, God here is saying, Don't be in a hurry. Don't say we are at the end of the age and the Lord is going to come this year or next. God says, Let me work this out. I have not given you any dates. Learn to wait upon the Lord. This matter of looking for the Lord Jesus to come to take his own out of this world is a matter of waiting. And we are told that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we are told we cannot rush God. He is in no hurry. Maybe things are not working out the way you think they should. Maybe you and I would like to rearrange things, but let God work things out. He is the one who is in charge. This universe is his. He started the plan of the universe before we all ever were there. He has eternity ahead of him, and when you and I get in step with him, life will be much easier for us down here on earth. We now move on to the declaration that God will deal with the final Assyrian. And the final Assyrian, my friend, is the Antichrist. For through the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be beaten down as he strikes with the rod. And in every place where the staff of punishment passes, which the Lord lays on him, it will be with tambourines and harps. And in battles of brandishing, he will fight with it. For Topet was established of old. Yes, for the king it is prepared. He has made it deep and large. Its pyre is fire with much hood. The breath of the Lord like a stream of brimstone kindles it. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 31 to 33. Now the Assyrian here is the final enemy of God in the great tribulation there, referring to the Antichrist. Toppet was a place in the valley of the son of Hinnon where most of the abominable idolatries were practised. Little children were offered as sacrifices. So... Toppet here speaks in this passage of the west spot in the lake of fire. The king mentioned represents the beast and the false prophet. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Now, chapter 31, we see that the prophet warns God's people again not to look to Egypt for help, but to trust the Lord to defend Jerusalem. So pressing is the danger, and so evident is the likelihood of the Israelites turning to Egypt that Isaiah continues to warn Judah of the futility of such a measure. In the future, Israel will turn to the wrong ally, to the wrong friend. They will accept the Antichrist, and God is warning them against it right now. God will judge those who turn to the outside help instead of turning to him even today. From the Lord's perspective, appealing to Egypt for military protection and help was a clear sign that his people were unwilling to trust him. Yet throughout the Israelite monarchies, especially among the kings of Israel, alliances with Egypt were common. They were not trusting God. For their part, the Egyptians were only too eager to supply their neighbors to the north with military forces and arms. Doing so helped to preserve a buffer between themselves and Assyrians. But through Isaiah, God warned his people about accepting such aid. Even when it looks like that your neighbor is such a great enemy, your help comes from the Lord. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1. That is clear rebuke of trusting in anything else other than the Lord. This is the fifth war or the fifth judgment, if you like. It is pronounced on those who go down to Egypt for help. This is a message for you and me, my friend. War to you, war to me, when we turn away from God and turn to some materialistic or human help. Don't misunderstand me. He doesn't intend that you launch out into space and hang there. God expects you to be reasonable. But even in your reasonableness, in the final analysis, God wants top priority as far as giving help is concerned. Where do you go to for help, my friend? To your banker? To your preacher? Although it is nice to ask advice from others, in the final analysis, whether we have been helped by our bankers, by our pastors, by our counselors, ultimately we must go to God for help. The psalmist wrote, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 20 verse 7. Now the materialistic philosophy says that it is smart to trust in the stock market or your investments. That is smart to look to Egypt. Egypt. They are basically saying it is smart to look to Egypt. And most of us have some Egypt. I do not know what your Egypt is, but most of us have some Egypt upon which we depend for help. The real source of Israel's difficulty was that they did not look to God, nor did they seek him. Since they did not trust him, they turned frantically to some outside physical display of power. And God says, woe to you. I am not pleased with you for doing that. Like birds flying about, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it. Isaiah 31 verse 5. Here the Lord says he will defend and preserve Jerusalem And specifically, he was going to defend Jerusalem in the days of Hezekiah, as we shall see. God assures them that it is a sure thing that the Assyrians will not take the city of Jerusalem. It may be difficult to imagine God as being like a bird, but Isaiah did. He pictured God as an angry bird that dives, pecks, and claws in order to protect its young. In the same way, God pledged to protect Jerusalem from the Assyrian armies. This image of God was frequently used even in the Psalms. For example, David described himself as sitting in the shadow or the protection of God's wings. Psalm 63 verse 7. Likewise, another psalmist offered assurance that the Lord would cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall find refuge. Psalm 91 verse 4 So in reading these texts it is important to remember that God's loyalty and protection extend not only to individuals but to entire cities and nations as well. When we look outside and observe birds darting about to protect their nestlings from cats, squirrels, and other predators. We are seeing a picture of the way God intervenes to defend and shelter his people. Isn't that wonderful consolation? Isn't that encouraging to a child of God to know he protects me? Then Assyria shall fall by a sword, not of men, And a sword not of many kind shall devour him, but he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall become forced labor. Isaiah 31 verse 8. See, God here says, it is not because you are going to be strong enough to drive them away you are not that strong and you won't be able to drive them away but god will deal with the assyrians jerusalem's confidence should be in the lord therefore the prophet calls on the people to turn back or repent this is the very heart of isaiah's message my friend israel's only hope is to repent and return to the lord Years of international manipulation and alliances will only lead to her ultimate downfall. If there is any hope for her future, it is in turning again to the Lord. Now, this is virtually the same message that John the Baptist was still declaring at the end of the Old Testament era. His was still a ministry of preparation. He says, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 3 verse 2. By contrast, Jesus' message was, Believe that I am He who must come. So Jesus Christ is here, and we must believe on Him. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies... Please write to The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.